Phantomaniacs, welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Dave, and I am currently gazing into the glorious exterior of Super 7 Snake Mountain playset. Yes, it happened. The review will be up next week, um, probably the 25th. 1st of December, I think is correct, uh, because next week on the 23rd, we will be releasing a very special early Christmas episode of the Needless Things podcast, because obviously Christmas is next Friday. Uh, I'm not going to be putting any episodes up on Christmas Day. Uh, so the 23rd will be the new episode of the Needless Things podcast. 21st, I believe, is when the Snake Mountain review will go up. And please check out the Needless Things YouTube channel. This week, reviews went up for the G.I. Joe Classified Series Red Ninja and for the WWE Elite Series, the newest versions of New Day, which I would like to be able to say are the greatest and best versions of New Day ever, and you will never need to buy New Day figures again. But, you know, who knows? I've I've already purchased another Big E because Walmart did a thing where you could buy a signed Big E figure. And it wasn't a whole heck of a... It was five bucks more than the price for the regular Big E. And I thought, why not? More out of curiosity of how it would be executed, how it would be shipped. Uh, I, it's it's really, honestly... Because I'm not a fan of autographed things that were not autographed in front of me. Although, obviously, 2020 has made that situation a little bit different. But I still generally don't care about an autograph unless I was there to get it. Uh, but this is something kind of weird and unique, and I, I just want to be part of this process. And I love Big E. And by the way, all of you who didn't get me a cameo from Big E while he was still on there, thanks for nothing. Uh, anyway, so I'm looking at my beautiful Snake Mountain. And let me just tell you the story of the Snake Mountain really fast. I'd been kicking myself for not ordering it. It was dumb. Uh, sometimes I buy things and it's dumb. Sometimes I don't buy things and it's really, really dumb. Because like if you if you buy something and you're like, I shouldn't have bought that, you can always flip it later. Even if you don't get all your money back, you can recoup your costs to a certain extent. But with things like this, if you don't just go in on them and buy them and get them, uh, if it's something that you really need in your collection, and as somebody who has an almost complete Masters of the Universe Classics collection, including Castle Grayskull and most of the vehicles, there are a few things that I still need... But to not have this Snake Mountain in the collection of of what could be argued as the greatest toy line of all time, uh, it was really just eating at me. And then Mr. Bo Brown, good friend of the show, our 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 co-host, Mr. Bo Brown, uh, he kept sending me pictures and posting pictures of his Snake Mountain, and it was driving me crazy. I'm not gonna lie. So I was looking at uh, Entertainment Earth had it for a very, very reasonable price for a pre-order uh, to go up in, I think, January, or uh, uh, to ship in January. And I was watching it, I was watching it, and I finally one day decided, you know what, I'm going to do this, 
and went to pull the trigger and it was sold out. Uh, so then kept looking, kept looking, bigbagtoystore.com, my favorite toy retailer in the world, had it up for a significantly higher price. However, their $4 flat rate shipping was an option. So they built the freight into that price, which I'm fine with. Uh, and I looked at it and I looked at it and I, I put it in the cart, deleted it, put it in the cart, deleted it over the course of a couple of weeks. And then finally, uh, one of my favorite shows, the major wrestling figure podcast has an, an event called boozing with the toys that they've started. And on the inaugural edition of this event, which is a group video meeting where all of the hosts, some friends of the show, uh, and even fans of the show get to participate in drinking and buying toys. So this ended up being like over three hours. It was it was awesome. It was so much fun uh, just seeing all these guys talk. They had uh, Bill McKenna, who is running the WWE Elite line, came on. They had uh, a guy from Ringside Collectibles come on. They had all kinds of artists and, and wrestlers. It was just crazy. It was awesome. So at one point in the night, I sent the producer, Smart Mark Sterling, uh, who, by the way, is way underrated and very, very talented, uh, sent him a message. and was like, hey, I'm really thinking about buying this thing for this much. And, uh, you know, if you want to throw me on here, let's do it. And he sent me a link. I clicked on it. And within a couple minutes, I was live talking to these guys. I wish I had thought to record uh, you know, not that I know if, if I'd be able to release it, but I, I just for posterity's sake, I wish I'd thought to record the conversation, but I ended up talking for, you know, a good 20 minutes or so just about Masters of the Universe, about my toy collection. I showed them my toy room. They were duly impressed. Uh, and then what got me going, though, is uh, if you go to YouTube, Car Jomez, that's C-A-R space J-O-E-M-E-Z, uh, is a channel on YouTube. This guy Joe Shoes, who's friends, of, who's friends with uh, the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast guys, uh, he does a lot of like food challenges and stuff, but also a lot of taste tests. He actually saved me from going and getting a Dairy Queen peppermint hot cocoa Blizzard uh, by letting me know what a basic bitch beverage it really was, because otherwise that would have been part of my cheat day. Uh, well, today for you guys, tomorrow for me. Uh, but he, he's it's a fun channel. Uh, and he was there with the guys talking about this Snake Mountain, and that's what triggered me. I was like, yeah, i got to do this. This is the time. I know I want this thing anyway, but if I'm going to get it, I might as well get on their show and make a thing of it. And sure enough, that's exactly what I did. I bought it live on the show, um, or rather pre-ordered it live on the show. And, and it was just, this was so much fun. If you're part of their Patreon, this is a thing that they're going to be doing one Sunday a month. As a matter of fact, the next one is uh, December 20th at 9 p.m., and I'll be in there for that too, although I will not be spending any money this time. I will just be boozing. There will be no toys because you guys, woo! let me just tell you, I'm, uh, I am done for a little while. I tallied up my pre-orders the other day and uh, ended up canceling a bunch of stuff because I was like, I'm out of control. This year, I'm not going to lie. This year has gotten to me, uh, just the, with all the pre-orders and being stuck at home and whatever else, uh, I, I went crazy this year. So I'm, uh, I'm making some cuts, uh, I'm making some decisions, some tough decisions, you guys, but it was not a tough decision about this snake mountain. I'm so glad I've got it. The review will be going up. 
I believe, the 21st of December. And then next week's episode of the Needless Things podcast, which is our Christmas special, will be going up on the 23rd because I'm not posting anything on Christmas Day. Because I'll be at my day job. I'm, I'm, I mean, I really will, but that, that's I just don't normally like posting on holidays anyway. Uh, and then after that, Needless Things will be moving to a new schedule, which I will discuss on episode 350, which will be the episode after the Christmas episode. Kind of... This is all kind of worked out nicely. Every once in a while, in the world of the Needless Things podcast, uh, Kismet steps in, and things just kind of get laid out the way I need them to, which is really nice. Uh, so anyway, my big Christmas present is sitting on a card table in front of me right now, waiting for me to edit together the review that Phantom Jr. helped me shoot. Uh, he is actually in a journalism class in school right now, doing very, very well and learning about... Uh, camera angles and how to shoot and how to like do all this stuff that I never actually had anybody teach me. I've just had to sort of wing it on my own. So uh, be sure you are following, subscribed, whatever the Needless Things YouTube channel. Uh, this week, reviews went up for the G.I. Joe Classified Series Red Ninja and for the newest New Day WWE Elite figures. So go check those out. And while you're there, uh, subscribe to Car Jomez. Uh, on YouTube. He, he puts up some really fun stuff. I've enjoyed watching this guy. I like him. Uh, so you might be wondering, with this massive, insane purchase that, by the way, I had to make room for. I th This is part of the process was where am I going to put this thing? It's 48 inches wide, 36 inches tall. They're, actually, it's 39 inches tall. The dimensions I looked at on Big Bad said 36. It is actually 39 inches tall. Uh, so where the heck does this go? Well, the answer to that is I've got the TV stand uh, down here in the Phantom Zone with kind of an older, crappier TV on it that I just watch for stuff in the background, and then we pull the screen down when we're going to play games, watch movies, or whatever. Uh, the answer was I'm going to take that old, crappy TV, I'm going to mount it up on the wall, and I'm going to use that TV stand for Snake Mountain. And that is what I have done, and I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail about that whole adventure, but I'll just say I made the space... I made the purchase. It's a done deal. Review, uh, or not even really a review, a an unboxing and a tour of Snake Mountain. Uh, coming soon to the Needless Things YouTube channel. Today's episode of the Needless Things podcast is our December Needless Commentary, which we are temporarily referring to as the Needless Quarantary. Uh, we watched Scrooged, and it's funny because we had determined beforehand that we were going to watch Scrooged, but then last weekend I threw a picture up uh, on a day that I was going to watch Scrooged, Christmas Vacation, and The Nightmare Before Christmas, and just kind of for fun was like, hey, which one should we do for the commentary? And Scrooged was the almost unanimous winner. I think there were like three or four votes for one of the other two movies, but Scrooged was, you know, across the board, uh, massively prevailed. So I hope that everybody who commented Scrooged listens to this episode because we had a lot of fun doing it, uh, and we we learned a lot about Scrooged and kind of broke down some things about it and, and figured out why it's such a good movie despite being such a weird movie. Uh, so there you go. You guys grab your spiked eggnog, sit back, put on your fuzzy Rudolph slippers, wrap yourself up in a bright red blanket covered in Christmas trees. Do you still have a, a slanket 
Isn't that what they were called? The sleeved blankets? Do you have one of those? Or, or a Snuggie? So, so get your Christmas, your, your blanket, your Snuggie, your slanket, uh, your Jedi robe, whatever it is you feel warmest and coziest in. Uh, curl up wherever it is you listen to your podcast and enjoy our Scrooged Needless Commentary. <laughs> It's December, it's the Yuletide season, the season of joy, happiness, and Bill Murray, who has staked his claim as one of our favorite representatives of the Christmas season. So today, for the December Needless Commentary, we are going to be watching Scrooged by unanimous decision. Yeah, yeah, it seems like yeah. people are stoked for Scrooged. Yeah, it's unanimous. I, I think it was our first unanimous decision. Well, it's, it's not just unanimous among us, but when I put up a picture yesterday of the other movies I was watching and just for fun was like, which one should we do? Knowing already what we were doing, every, like except for two or three people, everybody wanted to see, uh, hear about Scrooge. So I hope all those people are going to listen to this. It's true. <laughs> uh, I would have been, been fine doing like Nightmare Before Christmas, although to me that's more of a Halloween movie. Or... Uh... That's a debate we can have another day because to me that's a well it's both but to me yeah. it's more of a christmas movie it's both but uh or uh you know your classic die hard or my personal favorite bad santa but i feel like dave well now bad santa no i love bad santa why wouldn't i like bad santa i, don't I love billy bob thornton I, I would love to carry a vial of his blood around my neck you you know that's the thing right no, no. Oh. His, he and, uh, Angelina, he and Angelina Jolie, Jolie when they were married or to get whatever domestic partners, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. something. Uh, they they had a vial of each other's blood around their necks. That is gross. <laughs> I, I guess mean, we don't really love each other. Yeah. It wasn't just like loose blood. It was mint <laughs> on card. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Scrooge, as we go through this I watch it every year. I love it. I love Bill Murray. But as we always say, when you sit and you watch something with the intention of discussing it or reviewing it, uh, you, you kind of turn on your critical glasses. And as we discuss this movie, I think I'm going to end up pointing out how it's essentially a big Jenga stack of really cool parts. But if you pull any one of them out, the whole thing would fall to pieces. My first example of this, and I want you to think about it as, as we discuss the movie, is imagine if rather than Bill Murray, this movie starred Jim Belushi. Oh, well, for me, like, if you take Bill Murray out of this movie, like... We wouldn't be talking about it. Yeah, it wouldn't be yeah. nearly as good. Like, he brings so much to the character. And apparently he and Richard Donner did not get along very well on the set of the movie because he kept... Uh, he kept doing uh, improving most of his lines, like, and you can uh, tell he's improving yeah. a lot. Yeah, of his, it. his so performance is bizarre. Yeah, but well, it's also Bill Murray. This was, this was his uh, like first movie back after Ghostbusters. Like he'd taken a few years off and lived in Paris, and probably did a lot of drugs, and wasn't even sure he wanted to keep doing movies. Well, Ghostbusters was you know one of the biggest successes ever. 
Right. And the same year, the razor's edge, which he was very invested in as his first dramatic role flopped. So he was coming off of this huge mega hit and the biggest failure of his career thus far. And, and I mean, that would put anybody in a weird spot, I think. Yeah. And I feel like back then it was like, whenever you had a movie that flopped, there was like way more danger of you just never working again. Yeah. Which I feel like now more people can skate by, but it seemed like back in the day, like if somebody had a major flop, even if they did have a major success right before that could be it for them. Yeah. It, it could kill a career because yeah. if, if you're attached to, especially if you're the lead and you're attached to something like that, yeah, uh, you know, the studios would see you as poison for, for yeah. you know, a long time, if not forever. Yeah. Uh, so Scrooge came out in 1988 Eight. yep. and yeah. was, it's in a very interesting spot because you've got to think about the things that surrounded it. Uh, Beetlejuice was sort of in the zeitgeist at the time. Uh, and, and there were, you know, looking back at it now, the movie fits into a lot of the weirder cinema that we were starting to see. But at the time, the tone was very, very bleak and weird. And I think people weren't ready for what this movie is. And this movie doesn't know what it is because, Arian, like you were saying, Murray and Donner didn't get along. But it seems to me, from what I've been looking at, literally nobody making the movie could agree on what the tone was supposed to be, on how the comedy was supposed to work, if there was supposed to be comedy. (laughs) Apparently, Donner had no talent for comedy whatsoever, which is a lot of where he and Murray butted heads because obviously Bill Murray, one of the greatest comedic minds of all time, uh, there, there were a lot of conflicting elements. And then of course, Mike O'Donohue, who was a writer for Saturday night live that took it through a lot of its edgiest material and had a much darker vision for this movie than what we got, which is saying something because it's pretty dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are like some, uh, especially the whole Ghost of Christmas Future segment mm-hmm. is a uh, pretty dark, and also like the, uh, the 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 effects when he like opens up his thing. The puppetry yes. there is awesome. I love it. Yeah, yeah it's it was, great. that was pretty. Like I for I'd forgotten about that. I was like, ooh, they actually did a good job with that. Honestly, like the effects and the makeup effects are fantastic. Uh, the um, I can't remember what the character's name is the, the Marley character. Uh, oh, that yeah, first yeah. comes oh, yeah, 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 his awesome. old boss. Oh my god, the Boo. makeup is fantastic. The, the <laughs> golf ball that comes the out of his head, and then the, well, mouse and the mouse comes out <laughs> and then goes back in. It's a, it's a wonderful, you know. And then they had that great effect where he holds him out through the glass. Yeah. And Bill Murray's like, you know, hold uh, grabbing onto his arm and just ripping like, like just brittle and tendons flesh. and muscles and everything off. And then he pulls his whole arm off. That is fantastic. It's really, really good makeup and special effects work. Well, and even Murray's plummet to the street, uh, you know, by today's standards, it's not great. But compared to other movies at the time, it looks really mm-hmm. good. And that's Robocop. Other, what's that? This is better than Robocop. The yeah, guy plumbing, he, yeah he doesn't have the giant <laughs> like they, long arms. They spent like <laughs> they spent thirty-two million dollars on this in like nineteen eighty-eight dollars. Yeah, it's a lot of money for something like this. That's yeah. yeah, like there's not a lot of. I think they did shoot on location in New York, which makes it more expensive. And like Bill Murray, like it was just like I said, it was his first movie back since doing Ghostbusters, so it's like probably considered one of the biggest stars they could possibly get for it. So I'm sure he made 
a, a good chunk of change for it. But uh, like they, they they spent some money on the the practical effects. They look good. And that's another facet. That's another one of the Jenga blocks that we'll talk about is that all of the effects from the ghosts to uh, everything looks really good and top notch. And if that stuff was any lower budget than it is, again, we wouldn't be talking about it. It would be dismissed as something like kind of corny and and not even B grade. Yeah, there's like a certain aesthetic to the to not to the whole movie, but like to like the way his office looks and like a lot of the the uh, Christmas future stuff. Like, there's like this weird, almost Tim Burtony kind of vibe to it, but it like looks sleek. I, I dig it. it it's brushes- that very, uh, you know, in the late '80s, that Art Deco, like almost futuristic style, Batman was, animated series was really <laughs> really in that. Yeah, very sleek, very like. I will say like modern, but at the time it was very modern style. And that, you know, is what a super asshole executive would have had at the time. Well, it has type of style. It has the sharp impersonal aesthetics of like American psycho. It's Mm -hmm. the same kind of corporate soullessness, which I guess is a look unto itself. Like if you go back and watch movies that are about, sort of the corporate Wall overlord Street. type deal. What's that? Like Wall Street. Yeah, Wall uh, Street. Or yeah, even Gremlins yeah. 2. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, John Glover, who is also in this movie. Uh, his office in Gremlins 2 is that, you know, that kind of stuff. It, they, it all, they, it's a thing. They, like, all of the supporting cast is, like, impeccably cast. Like, yes. They, yes. The, the only, like, so one person that uh, was supposed to be cast like in a different role uh originally sam kinnison was supposed to be the ghost of christmas past yeah we narrowly avoided that (laughs) but but, like buster poindexter ended up getting it because he was friends with bill murray so which which i i much that was a good call yeah Yeah. for sure like he and carol kane to me are like the true mvps and then like yeah karen karen allen is also incredible like she's just She's very likable. And she's like, adorable. She's Marie, the brightness and warmth of, of the movie. Yes. And like well, and Alfred like, Woodard as well. Yeah. And nobody nobody quite plays like likable asshole and charming asshole quite like Bill Murray. So. Well, and that's why I say Murray is absolutely he's the most essential component of all of this. Because if you had had, say, a Jim Belushi or like a Joe Piscopo or somebody like we, we wouldn't uh, be talking about it. Nobody no. would care about this movie. Wouldn't be as good. Piscopo would have been awful. Like I, I still say, like if if Belushi had lived and gotten clean, like he probably could have been anything you wanted. No, I'm not talking about John Belushi. Oh yeah, I'm yeah, talking no. about Jim Belushi. No, that would have been yeah, no. that would have been the drizzling been, who, who had been. a career at this time. Yeah. Uh, that would have been in movies pretty much awful. adjacent to this one. Like yeah. I, I feel like in a different universe that happened we we have jim belushi in scrooged and, it's <laughs> and that would have been an entirely different movie because, yeah it would have been bad yeah i mean that character is bill murray i mean i mean you know obviously you put yourself into a role but i mean just the you, like i guess you said you know you can tell he's improving so much because it is so much of bill murray like i cannot picture 
even you know a, a absolutely fantastic comedian i can't picture anybody else pulling it off and it not being shitty you well know? you could throw in uh imagine robin williams if he was doing comedies and not you know trying to be serious uh it'd be very different but i think it could but yeah, still be, be a totally different movie yeah uh or george carlin would have been very interesting yeah, uh, yeah. Th- there are some names where it would have been very different, but still, I think, worthwhile. But I doubt we would have gotten any of those names. We we would have ended up with, like, a, a middle of the road. Because, I mean, again, you've got Richard Donner directing. Yeah. So he's he's a big name at this time. And I think... Did he, did he do Lethal Weapon? Uh, was Donner Lethal Weapon? Or is that somebody else? I don't know. I think you're, I think I you're right. Let's uh let's take a little looky loo here on the internet. The IMDb can, can tell me, and we'll see. Uh, yeah, he Omen, did Superman, Weapon. the Toy, Ladyhawk, the Goonies. He did love the toy. In fact, he did all four Lethal Weapons. So yeah. So I can see that. Yeah. But uh, as the movie opens, we really he, get a good Goonies. look at what kind of a dick Frank Cross, Francis Cross, is. I, Niagara Falls, Frankie Angel. But one thing, <laughs> one thing I would have liked to see a little more of, because Murray's performance is so manic and so unhinged at times, that as I was watching it this time, I kind of had to go with, well, he's on the verge of a nervous breakdown anyway. Yeah. And I would have yeah. liked yeah. maybe to see a little more of that at the beginning because it before comes off the as, ghost yeah well yeah even even prior to his old boss showing up maybe have a scene where he's talking about because he, he thinks he's he seems, losing it he seems to think he has his shit together up until the, the first ghost shows up i i maybe would have liked a scene where he talks about he, he mentions he's the youngest television executive ever, but where he talks about the pressure involved with that and with this Christmas special coming up, how much he's feeling it. Like, I wish they had set the table for him about yeah. to lose his shit a little so bit. But I think so it'd be more believable that he didn't know if it was real or not. Well, even, even that, but just some of some of his uh, again, and it's his improv. Some some of the stuff he does is so weird and over the top yeah i think they did set it up a little bit when he runs into uh that obnoxious guy in the elevator the guy that ends up being like the director of um i can't remember anybody's freaking john glover uh the douchebag guy Yeah. yeah so when he runs into him, it's before any of the ghost shit has happened, but he loses his mind completely. He grabs uh, Grace, the secretary, and does the whole, if you're working late, I'm working late. If I'm working late, you're working late routine. Yeah. Um, if you won't work late, I can't work late. Yeah, yeah that's true. He does. That, that insane manic yeah. thing. So you get that whole, like, he's got a little bit of worry, a little monkey wrench. He's just threatened. Got thrown in. Yeah. And he lost his goddamn mind. And then after that, you see, you know, he's approached by the ghost. So you do kind of get a little bit of like, okay, he's on the verge. He's a little unhinged to begin with. He doesn't have his shit together the way he likes to claim that he does. And and yeah. we also see uh, that Robert Mitchum, his boss, is <laughs> kind of 
not necessarily out to get him. Yeah. But you know, doesn't doesn't value him perhaps the way yeah. that he should. Has sent this other guy in. We also haven't uh, mentioned my favorite uh, supporting cast, which is Bobcat Goldthwait, because I love him in this. Okay, let me ask you, though. Do you wish he'd been... I, I wish that he hadn't done the voice. Oh, really? I, I wish that he had done the more straightforward Bobcat. Because I don't feel like he does it until after... He doesn't he, do it until he's got the shotgun. Way more low-key. No, he's he's doing it at the beginning of the meeting, too. He's 100% so. still doing the wavery. Now, it's not full, like... Police Academy, Police Academy guy, yeah. but I wish he had pulled back even more at the beginning, yeah. So we could get a better sense of him being just sort of a regular. I mean, he's not Bob Cratchit, but he basically is. Yeah, uh, being more of a regular guy and then becoming more unhinged, doing the voice over the course of the movie. I do love that he completely loses his mind in the space of 24 hours, though. His entire fucking life falls yeah. apart to where he's, like, covered in piss, and now he's an alcoholic in, like, literally wife. in, yeah. like, 20 hours. Well, the other great, great thing is that they go to this, they go to great pains to show that he can't get a drink. Every time he gets his bottle of liquor, like something happens, he drops it, the cab drives by, something happens. But then at the end, when he runs into Frank again, he's like, I've been drunk out of my mind since this happened. You're like, no, you haven't. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're just crazy. Yeah. yeah. You've just gone nuts. But You've just he, been thinking is, about drinking a lot. He is awesome. And I specifically remember when I was younger, uh, being really, really impressed with how he handled this role because we hadn't seen, you know, if you'd seen his stand up, uh, it was like seeing Sam Kennison stand up. It was this mm -hmm. gimmick, it was this character. And then in Police Academy, he essentially did the same thing. So, what I guess is that, you know, coming into this role, there was probably some pressure for him to hang on to that character some, to do that voice. I'm sure that they asked because it him to took him a voice. long time. Because we had what shakes the clown. I think was maybe the first thing I saw where he really wasn't doing that at all. Uh, what was the one with the horse? Hot to trot. <laughs> I, I saw I've that movie. That I saw it. It's you haven't seen Hot to Trot? No. Come on, we gotta, you got to see it. It's a classic. No. Keep in mind, yeah. he's a child. <laughs> That's true. Uh, speaking, I, you may not have been born when Hot to Trot came out. Speaking of being a child, so like seeing uh, this movie kind of reminded me of those movies that like scared me as a kid, but like weren't scary. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? And like this yeah. is definitely like on the top of that list, especially the ending stuff with uh, Christmas Future. But even I mean, even his boss coming back uh, was scary as shit when I was a kid. Like it bothered me. And the sanitarium part, that freaked me out. Like the weird triangle architecture. Yeah. Right. That's about as Burton-y as it gets, I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm looking at Hot to Trot now. This looks like a thing. You, you, we need to watch it together. It's been <laughs> a years talking since I've horse. Seen it. Okay, I'm in. Yeah, this might, this might be a commentary. Maybe yeah. you guys should save this one. Bobcat mm. Goldweight and, uh, yes. and the talking horse. And the talking How can horse. You go wrong? Yeah. We should do it. Doesn't that it? should kick us into the new year. Yeah. So we uh, we established that 
Frank's a dick. It takes no time whatsoever. And I want to mention, I, I actually put this up on Instagram because I can't believe I never noticed it before when Frank's brother uh, played by, is it Joel Murray? I can't John, keep Joel track. or John. Is it John Brian, Murray? Brian, uh, Brian, uh, Brian Joel Murray plays uh, his, his dad. Father. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the older one. Which yeah. um, perfect casting. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so John Murray uh, plays his brother, and he's he's in there on his recumbent bike, and Frank walks into the room, and there's this giant, uh, just verbiage on the wall. It's at the top and at the, the bottom. Cross yeah. a thing upon which to hang people. Yeah, a thing you yeah. nail people. Nail a thing people you nail too. people to. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. I don't know how I never noticed that before, but I, I never had. And I don't think is, I had either until you pointed it's it out. So blatant. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, yeah, it's so blatant, but you're not watching the background. You're looking yeah. at the interaction of the characters. You're watching Bill Murray do his business with taking his hat off. Cause Bill Murray doesn't walk into a room and just take a coat off. Like he makes a show of it and he's talking to his brother. He's showing his sort of annoyance at his brother, even being there like, He's doing the business. So you're not looking at these words in the back of the room. You're looking at Bill Murray. Uh, but yeah, this very, very, again, very 80s corporate superstructure type thing going on. Yeah, absolutely. I always felt so bad with the uh, the towel discussion and the VCR. Like, that just makes me feel so bad. <laughs> towel. Yes. Yeah. Towel. The, almost towel. All Most of these are, these are towels. Owen oh, Grace. Put yourself down for a towel. <laughs> <laughs> that poor woman. I we, know. God. And we have two really incredible women performing in this movie to hold the whole thing together. Uh, Karen Allen and Alfre Woodard. Uh, yes. who I guess yeah. technically Alfre Woodard is, is sort of the Bob Cratchit role since Tiny Tim is her son. Right. Yeah, uh, I think Bob Cratchit was kind of, you know. Split up. It was yeah. Split up the two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Alfre Woodard is just she's she's like the normal human being that this yes. movie yeah. needs to not seem completely ridiculous. And she's one of the few that's not like fully latched onto his ass. Like she doesn't have a problem like right. rolling her eyes at him and being like you're it, being ridiculous, yeah. you know. Which is impressive because it shows clearly that he will just fire somebody. Like, yeah, he doesn't give a shit. Well, and it's, I think though, it's because she knows how much he needs her, which, yes. which yes. the movie does show with, you know, what we talked about before the, if you don't work late, I can't work late. If you like, yeah, it, it's very much showing that symbiotic relationship that they have mm -hmm. and, and that he does need her. And it's actually pretty sweet because out of all the interactions that he has in the movie, she's the one that he, he never says it outright, but it's very apparent. He recognizes her value. He does there's literally nobody else in the movie uh, until the end that he does recognize their value. Yeah. I think she, she knows him very well because she's worked with him for a long time. So she understands what her value is and she knows that he really does know what her value is. So she's like, I, Right. I've got some leeway with him. Like I know that he knows that he needs me. That being said, you know, he uh, clearly doesn't really give that much of a shit about her because he doesn't pay her shit. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. Which well, sucks. he pays her exactly enough to keep her there. Yeah, yes. exactly. That's which another, is uh, everyone's been there. That's another corporate thing. I mean that that yeah. fits right in line with I they, pay. They, exactly they pay you just enough. enough to where like leaving would be a hassle. Yes. Yeah. 
Right. Yep. But not what she's worth. But right. the uh, well, no, none of none of us get paid. No, that's very this is true. Very true. Uh, but the scenes with her family are so essential to this movie. I, you know, I mentioned the fact that her her humanity and her being sort mm-hmm. of a regular person keep it grounded. But then when we actually get to see her family at home and her kids, uh, and I guess that's her mom, uh, yeah. interacting and being normal and being sweet, uh, it 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 brings all of the crazy shit back down to earth. So we again have that sort of anchor for our viewpoint where this is the real world. This isn't just some loony ride that Frank Cross is on. Other people are involved. Other people are being affected by whatever's going on. Yeah, I, absolutely. You, uh, They are the reality of it. And they're a very sweet family. Yes. And it, you know, a very likable family. Even when they're dressing little tiny Tim up <laughs> as a Christmas tree. Yeah, like a, tree. a Christmas tree. But it's also like cute and funny. Like yeah, it's, yeah. you know, because brothers and sisters like would screw with each other like that, you know? True. And yeah. And little, especially if you had one that didn't fight back. And, and his little lip <laughs> poking yeah. out and you feel so bad, but you see the mom like trying not to laugh at it. Yes. Yeah. It's it's very real. Like those those scenes are fantastic. And that kid is so adorable oh he is he's great he's so adorable that later on in the movie when he's on set and bill murray freaks out you really want to kill bill murray oh yeah yeah, dude yeah yeah like at that point you already feel so close to that kid when he does that you're like dude what the fuck and that's like your employee and you don't even know her kid at all like Yeah, yeah 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 definitely yeah it's it's ridiculous um I think that we, before we get too far, though, we should talk about the trailers in the beginning. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Promo. Um, oh, the well, reindeer yeah. die. Before, yes, exactly. <laughs> the night the reindeer die, uh, father loves beaver. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, can confirm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, true. it's like, you know, it starts off on such a ridiculous foot that you're like, where in the fuck is this movie going? And then, yeah, and then they play like the normal, you know, like Mary Lou Retton. And then he's like, no, no, it sucks. And he plays his like, if you don't watch this, you're going to die. People could die. Shotgun killers on the highway. (laughs) (laughs) I I love that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, that's where Bobcat comes in is that scene where he tells Cross that that's too much and that he but didn't maybe we should that. Like, freak people the fuck out well and, <laughs> yeah. and again it's it's grounded it's grounding the craziness uh to a degree where the audience can keep going along for the ride because there yeah. has to be somebody to Speaking say of. what we're thinking like that's ridiculous you can't yeah. play that yeah. And, he's and then why, why? Why would that be the promo for your fucking Christmas Carol movie? Not a because single bit of actual footage from it. It's the 80s and corporations are evil. Yes, yes this is true. Because they were only well, evil in the 80s. Yeah, no, they're pretty good now. Yeah, they're they're only sweet and nice now. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're great. They're really awesome. Uh, so apparently uh, Bill Murray had an absolutely rotten time on this movie. Uh, I hear that about a lot of movies he's involved in, which kind of just makes me think maybe he's an asshole, but that's okay. I love Bill Murray, but well, I think, or maybe he's just an artist. Well, I think that's what it is. I think he has a very specific creative vision. Yeah. uh, And I think his, 
the way that he expresses his talent is very important to him. Yeah. And if he doesn't get someone that's basically willing to just let him roll with it, then he, he has a bad time. Yeah. And I think if you get 100% pure, unfiltered Bill Murray, you're not going to have a great product. So most of the time, Bill Murray probably doesn't have a great time. Yeah. And it, it's uh, kind of similar with uh, Groundhog Day, too. Like, I heard very similar things about that. And I love that movie. Yeah. Uh, but well, he that had a was bad where time he and, that. That's where he and Harold Ramis fell out, right? Yeah. But it was the same thing where, like, he was like, I see it as going this way. And Harold yeah. Ramis did not. And, yeah. uh, but, it's weird because usually that that warrants a bad movie whenever the main actor is like just pissed off and doesn't want to be there. I've heard a bunch of stories like that. Usually the movie sucks, but for some reason, these Bill Murray movies are still awesome. So, Well, and I think that's what it is, is uh, it's somebody that has the force of will to rein him in. Yeah. Yeah. Put out a good product and he doesn't like being reined in, but that's yeah. that's what gives us satisfying experiences as somebody who can rein Murray in and yes. make him miserable, I guess. Yeah. Everybody, <laughs> everybody needs a no person, you yeah. know? Yes. Yes. Everyone, but it, even Bill Murray. But yeah, I think, especially I think, uh, Vince McMahon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a different podcast. Yeah, it is. So I want to know what the deal is with Wes Anderson and Bill Murray, because he, he'll do all of his movies. He doesn't seem to care. He's like, yep, I'll do it. What do you want me to do? Well, I think Speed Wes up? Anderson is very much invested in letting the actors express themselves. Yeah, that so may be we're, why. We're probably getting that unfiltered Bill Murray, but it's being almost compartmentalized within Anderson's films. Because he's not the main character. Well, right. yeah, it's an ensemble thing. And yeah. Like, yeah. Has he has he ever been the main character? I guess Life Aquatic would be the closest. I mean, Steve yeah. Zissou was, yeah. but also... It was still an ensemble movie. It's not yeah. like, uh, you know, just because his name's in the title, he's still not the clearly biggest role in the movie, I guess. Yeah, for sure. It requires everybody else. What was funny to me about Nicole to go back to those opening trailers is how reminiscent those were of UHF. Oh yes. yeah, <laughs> like yes. loony stuff that they had on UHF, uh, mm -hmm. which this you know this came out two years before that movie, uh, and I wonder if there was any uh, sort of zeitgeist inspiration going on there. Uh, have you ever seen a movie called Stay Tuned with John Ritter? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's another yeah, one that, that reminds me of. Yeah, yeah, I I loved. I I haven't seen it, and I don't even know how long. And I think. Arrow or somebody just put out oh nice Blu-ray of it that I, I need to I need to get. It holds uh, up. Like I saw it recently and it holds up. Hey, I, I loved it when I was a kid. I haven't seen it in at least 20 years, probably more. I I showed it to Nicole and I was like, Yeah, it's probably gonna suck, but this is like my favorite movie back in the day. And then we watch it and I was like, Oh shit, it's still good. But yeah, similar stuff like zany, like you know zany tv shows and and spins on stuff that you're familiar with but then you're just like whoa that, what the hell kind of timeless parodies like you watch even yes. though yeah they're very much of the era where they were created you can look at them and you know what they're referencing oh, like yeah. when the the whole uh, it's it's 80s action movie that's its own sort of trope at this point so when santa mrs claus and the elves are under attack <laughs> 
you get what's going on. Whether you were around in 1988 or not, yeah, you watch Scrooged and you get the deal here. And then you know Lee Majors, Lee Majors. <laughs> I don't know how well that's going to hold up. Me, man, but <laughs> I it don't, was still did, great. Did you like? Did you know who Lee, Lee Majors was? Yeah. Okay, but the it's also it, it's funny because I would have said the Fall Guy. It's funny though, because in the movie he's apparently playing Lee Majors, which that's weird to me. Yeah, that yeah. was a little odd. That's just strange. Like he's not Lee Majors playing a character; he's Lee Majors. Because he My... literally says Lee Majors, the six million dollar man. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess maybe this is less a movie and more a, a network special. Christmas special, and Probably. that's why they did it that way. I don't know. The night Who the knows? reindeer died. Is that? I what just want to see the rest of it. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I would watch that. Uh, so <laughs> another part I wanted to mention real quick that I think still holds up is when Cross's boss talks about cats and dogs starting to watch television. Oh, my television. God, yes. <laughs> oh. That's just hilarious. We need to program some shows with pet appeal. Yes. Twenty you years. Need to from have now, some birds and mice. Get a, get a detective who dangles a string. It's a string. It's <laughs> part of his gimmick, which is what leads to later on when the guy is trying to figure out how to attach the antlers to the mouse. Like that's where that came from. Is trying to yes. get that pet appeal into yes. the special because it plays later whenever the cats are watching it. And he's yeah, like, "See, and he's I was right." His wife and the cats yeah. are watching the TV. Yeah. He's like, "I knew it." And, and that's like there there are pet TV channels now. That's yeah, a that, thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. On YouTube, there are shows for uh, just made for, animal. just for yeah. animals. Um, I don't know if they're buying any products. So I don't know how you make money off that, but who knows? Well, it's their it's owners the, are the crazy pet people owners that keep the Target pet section in business. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> I've never watched TV with Newt yet. 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 Yeah. Uh, and then we get the uh, another. I would love to have a to to have the reel of just all of the bits, and then there are probably some that were cut out where they're putting the special together, like the scene where they they're putting the antlers on the mouse, or when they bring one of the dancers up, and it's like this is not appropriate. You can see- I can see her nipples. <laughs> you, can, you, you can hardly see them nipples. Like I would love to see more of that, like production type stuff on the special. Yes. Oh yeah, the special looked pretty awesome. I'm not gonna lie. It's true. I do love though when when he comes up to ask him about the mouse, that he's like, he's like the super glue won't work. So I'm like, wait, the super glue was the humane option that they chose. <laughs> right, like, right. That yeah. that was the nice one. Like the that's staples. Okay. That the ba- yeah. Like it's okay to super glue antlers to the head of a mouse. And look, I don't know but if it's you've not okay ever, to staple them on there. I don't know if you've ever gotten super glue on your skin. Yes. I did super it's glue my finger pleasant. to my eyelashes once. What? I don't know. I'm, no. I'm an idiot. No, how wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know. I had super glue how? on my finger and I touched my eyelashes and then i was super glued to my eyelashes like oh my to God. see what would happen no like i don't know I was did young. you forget that the super glue was there kind of <laughs> and then huh. i had to like rip my finger off but then i had like a chunk of super glue in my eyelash 
And so I had to like cut it off. It was, yeah, I wasn't very smart. So you ended up with like a segment of eyelid with no eyelashes? Like really short eyelashes in like one area. You had a little Brazilian section on your eyelashes. (laughs) Yes. I was like, I'm going for a new look here. (laughs) Setting a trend. (laughs) This is going to be a thing. Yeah. Hashtag Uh, popular kitten. I'm when I'm clumsy, uh, don't pay attention and not very smart. That that is me. So, why do you think David Johansson's Ghost of Christmas Past? Why does he have elf ears? I've noticed that. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Uh, I think it's maybe just to give him a you know a little bit of a. I know they're ghosts, but like. You know, they kind of this like supernatural, like from a different, you know, dimension kind of vibe to me. But also they All play the Carol things. Kane as like a fairy. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I think that that like kind I don't of know links why, it together. Like they're both like fairy people. You think they're less ghosts and more like elementals or something? Yeah, that's kind of what I think. I don't know, but that seems to be the vibe that they get. I could I could they, buy that. Like uh, Buster Poindexter does kind of look like a... Uh, a leprechaun almost yeah he's he's very impish yeah i do like the ca- i don't know why i like the aesthetic of the old shitty cab from new york with christmas lights inside of it i really like that look oh, oh it's yeah. awesome if they made a toy of that i'd buy it in a second oh Me yeah too. yeah i would also ride in that cab why is there not at least like a christmas ornament of that cab there totally should be and this movie like people love this okay. movie yeah so I just, yeah, I don't get it. I think eventually corporations will catch on and be like, oh, yeah, we should start making some money off Scrooge because Christmas vacation, there's new shit every year. Yeah, that's it is really weird. Obviously, Elf came along and yeah. blew everybody away because I, 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 and I'll say it right now. I think Elf that's is great. the greatest Christmas movie ever. Not it's everybody's like, top three. It's up me. there. <laughs> uh, Not everybody. Scrooge. Uh, but it's bizarre that nobody's cashed in on Scrooge. Yeah. Because think about, you could have a Carol Kane ornament. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, The Ghost of Christmas Future. I want a NECA figure of him. That would be awesome. With like a skull head and a TV head. But make it a big giant figure so that you can have like a soft goods robe. And then you could put your hand underneath it and work the little puppets in his chest. Oh my god, that'd be so awesome. That would be pretty rad. It'd be badass. Yes. Yeah, why? Come on, people. Yeah. There's money to be made. There is. There is. I know, I know NECA listens to this show. It's it's top on their podcast playlist for sure. Oh, I'm sure. Yes. Well, hi, we will hi, know if they, if they come out with this next year, we'll know why. And now that we've got, I mean, Bill Murray has finally released his likeness for figures. We've got good Bill Murray Ghostbusters figures. We need Frank, we need a what about Bob figure? Oh my God, yes. Uh, there, I did see a what a. It was really weird. I saw a what about Bob pop figure at Walmart the other day, which is just weird. I'm like, That's did it have the random. did it have the fish? Uh, I didn't look at that close. I just walked by it and I just saw what about Bob, and I was like, "That's a little Bill Murray pop. That's strange." But I, I mean, didn't know I, that was a thing. Yeah, it is. That, they should have the entire crew, the uh, the entire crew, the Belafonte. Yes. Hell yeah. Well, yes. we talked about that when we did for the listeners go back and listen to our uh, life aquatic commentary. We need the adventure set. We yes, we need yeah. those repainted adventure people. Yep, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. 
we, that needs yeah. to happen. Even even if it's just Super Seven doing them as reaction figures, like that should be a thing. There should be all right. So NECA is doing a whole line of Guillermo del Toro, like it's it's literally a Guillermo del Toro line. It's not based on any specific thing. They're doing Pan's Labyrinth. They've done the creature from Shape of Water. They're doing uh, the kid from uh, oh shit, what's it called? Devil's Backbone. Yes, uh, they're doing everything. But it's like a Guillermo del Toro subline. Somebody needs to do a Bill Murray subline mm-hmm. with with just all of Bill Murray's different characters. I would be all about that. Yeah. Yes. Hell yeah. I would want it. While I do love the idea for the NECA giant Ghost of Christmas future. I think the best way to, to execute this would be NECA's, uh, those soft goods, Mego style figures. Yeah. Cause they did, they've done two Clark Griswolds in that line. Mm-hmm. They did Buddy the Elf in that line. We need a Frank Cross. We need Carol Kane. Oh, yeah. There's so much money on the table. What's happening here? Yeah. Yeah. This is ridiculous. All right. We should get back to the movie. <laughs> so, okay. To throw this out there. Uh, oh, I, I got to mention this. So, so uh, Bill Murray is having lunch with uh, <laughs> oh, with his boss and his and, boss. Yeah. yeah, and he's he's having these crazy hallucinations. The eyeball in his drink. Uh, the guy getting set on fire. Yes. And he goes and throws the water on the guy <laughs> and says, "I thought you were Richard Pryor." I know. <laughs> That is so fucked up. It is. <laughs> it is. I feel like especially back then it was fucked up. Well, it was, it was very fresh. Hilarious. Well, and yeah. I mean, Richard Pryor probably would have thought it was hilarious, but it's still like, yeah, fucked up. that yes. was a serious fucking thing. Yeah. yeah, that's beyond the pale. But it was. I mean, it was funny. But it, but again, that's like. That's this weird thing. Like they never established. I like it. I like the movie's like kind of mysterious, but they never established the rules of this universe. Like, why is he seeing all this shit? Like, what is this? I think but I like it. I like the idea of it, but I think they're just like portents and omens. Yeah, yeah. Uh and, and they're not again kind of like how I feel about Murray's character how they don't define or, or specify that he's on the edge. Yeah. Quite as much as I would like. I think it's kind of the same thing where those are omens of what's to come that he's about to have these wild experiences, but they didn't quite lay it out there as such, which yeah. is fine. I mean, I don't need to be spoon fed everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's I mean it's the the whole idea that the the stuff from the book is like happening to him while he's working on a Christmas special for for Scrooge. It's just uh, it's very strange. Yeah. Um, well, and the fact that you know, he, he's not Ebenezer Scrooge, like yeah, Scrooge is a thing that exists, but we don't have direct. We have analogs for the characters from A Christmas Carol. Yeah, but which, by the way, it drives me crazy that they refer to the Christmas Carol, uh, Christmas Carol, as Scrooge in the movie. Yeah, I know. yeah. <laughs> but I almost wonder if that was intentional. Like, as a this is what corporations, so, this is how they yeah. work. They don't really yeah. know what they're doing. Uh, 
We have analogs for all the characters, but nobody is actually named Ebenezer Scrooge or Bob Cratchit or whatever. Yeah. Like, now that you bring that up, um, it is weird that this would be happening to this guy. And he he never says, like, hey, this is just like the show that I'm producing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know it's what like I mean? You're going to be visited by three ghosts. He never comments on how oddly specific that is. Yeah, to- he's never like, wow, this is a lot like uh, like a Christmas <laughs> carol, like the show that I'm literally stressing over right now to produce. So I guess maybe we are supposed to think it's like a, a big crazy hallucination. Yeah, uh, you can well no, no, I mean I think it's because at the end, uh I can't remember exactly what it is because I was I was wondering that the whole time as well. Is this yeah, part he does of actually his, like, know what break. the brother's doing. Right. And, yeah, yes. and that's it. That's, that's exactly it. That's yep. the thing that yep. tells you this all actually happened. Because it could have very easily been he's having a psychotic break and and none of this is happening because every time like when he got thrown out or dropped out the window, he wakes up and he's like it could be explained away, but yes, that's the point where yep. he knows the trivia question that his brother, uh, the SS Minnow. Yes. The SS Minnow. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So it all happened. Uh, it just doesn't, it's, I don't know. It's just like its own little weird universe. Like, you know, that's, I, I love it. And it's funny. Cause when they're showing the production, uh, the dress rehearsals and all that, they never, show any of the things with the ghosts when they're showing except the show that future. they're making oh because he does find him in the elevator yeah, yeah which i right. love that whenever he yeah. thinks that the ghost is from the that's <laughs> the thing. great that's a great scene like, every yeah. scene yeah. where he loses his mind in front of other people is fantastic well and the, the interesting thing about that is th- that nobody really makes a big deal out of it because he is this powerful, important person mm-hmm. and they just have to deal with his shit. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. They're willing to accept a certain amount of crazy from him uh, just because he's rich and powerful. Yeah. Well, it's like the, the, uh, the concept of chain of command is uh, like, obviously it's very well, enforced and established in the military but i think it might actually be more more so oh, in, corporate in the corporate culture. world yeah absolutely Very yeah, much oh, so. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. 100% yeah yeah like there's definitely a point like you know at the end where if he hadn't pulled that shit together it, it would have been you know okay that's enough from you but he's allowed a certain amount of craziness because of the level of power that he has yeah so let me throw this out at you guys. Uh, Danny Elfman does the score, which is critical to me as something that lets it be weird. Because this movie mm-hmm. is very weird, much more so than any standard comedy that might have come out at the time. Uh, An Elfman score allows it to have sort of the flights of fancy that it has. But try to imagine what if Tim Burton had actually directed this movie? I think it would have been a little too weird. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think that it would not have been because this movie is balanced. 
yeah. uh, between the weird and the the realistic uh, aspects. And I think that like, because it has that balance, the weird plays right. Whereas if it was just 100% in Weirdsville, I, I don't think it would have worked. Like, like Batman Returns? No. <laughs> You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like, no, I think that movie's weird as fuck. Yeah, I like, love it. But the balance yeah. of the of reality and yeah. fucking wackadoo stuff it is what makes the movie work. Yeah, like I, I feel like Tim Burton to me is one of those people. Like I like his earlier stuff when he. Well, this get would away. be his earlier stuff, though. Yeah, yeah. Like, it might have been this. okay, but like his earlier stuff, where like he's not allowed to get away with everything he wants, uh, is better than his later stuff. Where it's just like, yeah. oh, this is a Tim Burton movie. Tim Burton's gonna Tim Burton all over the screen at two mm-hmm. for two hours. It would definitely have you, more Danny DeVito in it. My <laughs> Danny yeah. DeVito in a top hat. My issue watching this. One, the biggest problem I have with Scrooge is that I feel like it's too long. It's oh really? It's barely. I don't know what they could have cut or where, but it feels like it runs long to me. Yeah, I I did not have that. I didn't think that at all. Okay. Yeah. See, I feel like the opposite. I feel like there's some parts that were a little compressed that could have been expanded on a little bit. Um. I think it was just about right. Like I would have liked to have seen more between him and Karen Allen, but they, they did enough like in, in the early parts of the relationship in the past segments. But yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's that's the most important part of, of what we between the two of them. Yeah. yeah. There's just so much. Cause this movie, like there's the aspect of him at work, which is important. And, uh, you know, the network production of the Scrooge, whatever. Yeah. And then um, he had his past. Yeah. There's yeah. the ghost stuff. And then establishing like who he was in his past versus how he became this, what got him this to where he's at. fucking dickhead. Um, you know, and I, I felt like it almost each of those pieces, especially the ghosts and like his transition into an, into a successful asshole. It could have actually been, a little bit more fleshed out. Not a lot, but a little bit. I think for me, where it starts to feel a little heavy is as great as Carol Kane is, is during the ghost of Christmas present segments. Oh, see, she's so damn good. Well, no, she's great. I wouldn't (laughs) cut any of her at all, but I don't know that all of the stuff with Frank's brother is necessary. Mm. I wonder if we could cut that and make it a lot tighter. Because I don't know, because yeah, we but have I, I, enough I, examples of his selfishness. Yeah, without the brother story. Yeah, I do well, think that. Like, I, I feel like that drives home just how much of a dick he is. Because like, you can be. A dick, <laughs> like he's a dick in all facets of his life, right? Like he's a dick in relationships. He's a dick at work, and he's a dick <laughs> to his own family. Which, like, most people, like at least one of those, like they're nice to people, but like he's not mm-hmm. nice to anybody anywhere. He's just a dick all the way around. So, like, and I feel we like having three legs for that to stand on makes it a functioning stool. If that makes sense. 
Also, we were talking about like the Bob Cratchit character. I think that the brother is also a little Bob Cratchit because he's the one that is forgiving of him. Yeah. yeah. He's forgiving of him. He's loving of him, regardless of how much of a dick he is, which is a little bit of a, of a Bob Cratchity part too. So I think that between the three of them. Yeah. It's like, there is somebody out there who cares about him, even though he's just a raging asshole, you know? And he continually treats his brother terribly. Yeah. I think at the end with the the very intense funeral scene. Yes. Yes. Good God. Uh, uh, when I, I was I think, a kid, I thought that that's how funerals went. Like before I'd actually been to one. Now I remember seeing that and being like, oh my God, like that's how they cremate people. And like, that's like. They put them alive. In yeah. College. Right. They just come and get you when they know you're about to die. <laughs> they're like. No, that's scary. That's scary as shit. Like that seems intense. That's what's happening. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sold on the whole brother role. I think there's so much other stuff happening. There's room to tighten it up with that. But uh, you know, obviously, people. Well, opinions are like assholes. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like Frank. Like Frank Cross. Hashtag Arian's anal corner. See, I had to bring it around at some point. Okay, so uh, once we get into, because we have the Ghost of Christmas Past, which is very important for establishing that Frank was at one point a pretty cool guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like somebody that we would have hung out with. For sure, yeah. Uh, And then the Ghost of Christmas Present stuff, which we have to establish the people that are affected by him being an asshole. But then when we get into the Ghost of Christmas future, I feel like the futures go way over the top. <laughs> like we have uh Alfred Woodard's son is in, in an asylum. Yes. Even yeah. though he's like what 12, 13 years old at that point. Yeah. But and he's been committed. Star Trek clothes. Yeah. 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 And she, yeah, she's dressed like Guinan for some reason. Yeah. It's so in this strange. triangular hallway, like it's like, whoa, what? This is a little I guess much. it's supposed to be the future. Because but... future. <laughs> and then they go to the future mortuary. This gigantic. Insane. And, and my thought with this, and this is where it comes in. My Tim Burton suggestion was thrown out there. And I'm not saying I, I wanted Tim Burton to direct this or I wish that he had. Because I think you guys are right. It would have been too much. But I also think it would have been more cohesive. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Because, because it had a lot of his style on it, like, like, yes. which I mean, I, th- I think a lot of that's the Elfman music too. But like, there's a lot of his style on that movie. Like, if you told me that Tim Burton directed that and I didn't know that Richard Donner did, I'd be like, yeah, that that makes sense. Well, Donner directed something like early in his career. I forget. Let me look it up. So he directed uh, The Omen, actually. Hell yeah. That movie rules. And uh, he directed a couple episodes of the Tales from the Crypt TV series. So he's got a little, little dark stuff in his past. That's good. So, yeah. But I think most people, even people who are fans of this movie, if you said Richard Donner directed Scrooged, I don't think they would immediately be like, yeah, I know. 
Like I think that's a little yeah. bit weird. Now, like, oh I, no, I I forgot somebody watched it the other day. Yeah, like, I, I didn't. That's yeah. not something that was in my like the forefront of my consciousness. No, not at all. If if, if I wish you guys were were able to see what we're seeing because Arian has has uh, it's a murder cat. cat. It is murder. Oh my god, no. Oh, that cat's had enough of Aryan shit. Oh, and it, it, look, it looks like Aryan's in the crematorium right now with his fire <laughs> yeah. background. Aryan is close to death. That's scary. I do. I, uh, I do the wall of butts for like a new image to put out there. Oh wait, be nice. careful! Dragon Con will get mad at you. They don't like butts. Yeah, I we almost got kicked out of Dragon Con for the wall of butts. Uh, all right, <laughs> let's see what else have we got. Um. Oh, Cle- that was the other. That was the other thing. Okay, so we have when the Ghost of Christmas uh, Christmas Future shows us uh, Tiny Tim in the sanitarium. Yep. Frank's death, but also Claire turned into this like oh, rotten turned into Frank. Bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Like, come on! It's overnight. She's like, oh, I hate homeless people now. <laughs> right. yeah, she's like, you. And I people go away, but I feel like I do like the fact that all of the futures were like way too much. Yeah. So there was, it wasn't like one of them was reasonable and the rest seemed crazy. They all seemed like the craziest extrapolation of worst case scenarios. Yeah. And I think the whole point is to be like, change your ways and here's some ridiculous shit that could happen right but like it wouldn't have happened yeah it, it well you like you said it's absolutely the worst case scenario like what's the worst thing that could happen to calvin oh they put him in a fucking padded room you know like oh and the homeless guy in the sewer that's that's horrific that happened. He really though. was dead. Yeah, oh, he was really right. dead. That, yeah, that was real. Yeah, and then, oh. they should and have then the yes. at the end of the movie, he has a Vader moment. He's just moment. happy. He's like, <laughs> yeah. thanks, Frank. I'm Thank glad God I froze to death. Yeah, you're right. That's awful. That's that's kind of sad. Yeah, yeah. that wouldn't that's a little much. I don't I don't know how that I feel about it. in the future segment. That would have okay, been more we've sense. Gotta, I've got to pull up our page because I've got to give a shout out to the There's actor because we love him. He's in so many awesome things. Is he in Jason Goes to Hell? Uh, Michael J. Pollard. Yes. Yes. He is in everything. And he's yes. Awesome. The answer is yes. He's in that. Um, yeah, he was he was great. But yes, at the end of the movie, like Frank runs into him frozen to death in the sewer. Smiling, yeah. frozen to death. And then at the end, at the because I guess at one point, uh, what does he do? He won't give him any money or something. I don't remember exactly what it was. Or no, he's in the shelter. Yeah, he's in the shelter yeah. at one point. Yeah. Uh, and then at the he's, end, he's like, hey, Frank, I'm so glad you're in love now. I'm yeah. dead, but we we're cool. Yeah. He's the one who mistook Frank for Richard Burton? Yes, yes. yes that's right. Look, Arian's hands have disappeared into the wall of butts. <laughs> well, that's par for the course. So strange. Uh, so let's talk a little bit more about the Ghost of Christmas Future. Uh, I love this entire character design because the first time we see it, uh, it shows up on Frank's sort of wall of video screens. Yeah. And we yeah. see it coming up from the side. And it's very ominous and creepy in a spirit Halloween store kind of way. 
but then the hand comes out. We get we move our POV to I guess it's POV. Yeah, mm-hmm. where it's behind Frank, and that giant hand comes out, and it's just it's such a cool. Like what a great way of shooting that, and what a cool look that they went for with this creature. Yeah, and they could have done some cheesy ass effects, but the way they did it, like, is really, really fucking creepy, and looks really good still. Well, what's so fun about it is when he does encounter the actor from his special playing the Ghost yeah. of Christmas Future in the elevator. Like, it kind of looks like that. So they do establish that aesthetic. So once it does show up, you're like, ooh, this is that, but this is the real deal. Yeah. Yeah, and then he, he opens his robe, and you see all, like, the <laughs> trapped souls, and you're like, oh, goddamn, okay. But that, but yeah. that shit where he has the uh, the video screen face is so creepy to me. It's like a Megadeth video. Yeah, yeah, I just love that. Like, yeah. it's insane. It also has a little, I, I might be crazy for this, but a little bit of, like, a Nightmare on Elm Street vibe. Yeah, yeah, no, like it, Nightmare it, it, 100%. Three. Yeah. 100% does, absolutely, because the images that come across the video screen are horrifying. I actually paused a couple of times to try try and kind of catch what was going on. And some of them are like Frank's face uh, catching on fire. And then there's a skull and then there's like, it's all really brutal shit. It, Holy it's shit. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause it's not just, you know, there are times when it's just the skull, like that yeah. Grim Reaper looking skull, but it moves uh, according to what's going on, and it's great. Really, what really, a, what really a cool, cool character idea. design, though. Because, like, yeah. I mean, they could have just gone with Grim Reaper. That's mm-hmm. it. Like, yeah. they could have just done that. And, and then in the face was great. In the yeah, future I, mortuary, when it's just floating across the ground, emitting the mist. Yeah, it's awesome. I think that they they did a really good job of making him like the Grim Reaper, but also incorporating the fact that. Uh, you know, Frank is the TV executive. Um, and also just like, you know, the the evilness of TV and network TV and all that. It, it's kind of awesome. So we come to the end where Frank has recognized that he's a shitbag and invades his own Christmas special to spread his message of peace and love. AKA the part that would never happen in real life. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually really love this part and I really buy Murray's performance almost more than I do at any other point in the movie because we've all found things that we love and are excited about and want to share with other people. And to me, Murray's performance here sells the entire movie because he has had this awakening he has discovered this this joy and this love and this meaning of life and he wants to share it with the world and and you know unlike most people he has the means to do so yeah so he goes into this crazy manic speech that I don't think is from any script. I don't think it's from any piece of paper that anybody handed to Bill Murray at any point. I think it came from him and it's so convincing and it's so great. And it's so recognizable. 
as something that you have discovered that's wonderful that you can't even control your your sharing of it. Yeah. And it's cool because like at that point, it's like, oh, he's talking to us, the audience that are watching this movie now, too. You know, like I know he's talking in the movie, he's talking to the TV, but it's like, you know, it kind of becomes a point where he's talking to us. Well, he's literally at one point talking to the theater. Yeah, Yeah. he is actually talking to the movie theater audience. Yeah, but I I love that. Yeah. Put a little love in your butt. I mean, heart. (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) Was it day is mine, Trebek? That's the real meaning of Christmas. Christmas anal corner. Put a little sure. love in your butt. And the world. I, I love the ending. Uh, I am sad that Mary Lou Retton didn't get to do her flip, but she did it like three times. I mean, we it saw just... we saw it. It was fine. It's not like it was Chekhov's flip. Yeah, I know. They didn't pay. It also, off. her hat stayed on, so that was kind of yeah. lots of bobby pins. Yeah, God damn it. tons of bobby pins. Uh, so yeah, I, I love I love the ending. I, I love the happy ending of the movie. It's what you know, and it's what like, also a uh, Christmas Carol has a happy they're ending. They're all going to jail with like Bobcat cheating yes. at everyone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. It'll be fine. It's fine. <laughs> okay. That's the key to like eighties movies. Is like all, there are so many eighties movies where if you were to keep the cameras rolling to like the next day, everybody would be like in jail, dead. Yeah divorced like some like huge consequences but because in 80s movies you cut it at this point it's considered a happy ending this is another one of those but yeah bobcat would be in jail uh bill murray would probably be fired and or in jail too yeah kind of well bobcat did. but yeah but would he because one of the one of the things that we see as bill murray invades the christmas special is everybody watching at home and his boss inexplicably is filled with joy and dancing around with his wife after he kicks the shit out of a cat. Right. (laughs) Why does his boss all of a sudden become happy? I'm guessing that somebody gave him a call that we didn't see. And they're like, the ratings are through the roof. I think that's gotta be it. That's That's gotta be it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he just got a little love in his butt. No, I think it was like somebody's <laughs> like, everyone's watching this. Everyone loves it. That's right. and, and and I think you're right. I think that's that's the only thing I could come up with is yeah. like this is a ratings blockbuster. Yeah. Yeah. It was that kind but, of vibe. But there is there is a moment when it first starts breaking down that he's really mad and like he's got like 47 cats and you just like he kicks off screen and you just hear yeah. 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 Did you, did you guys Damn. ever see uh did you guys ever see network i have I think so. but i don't remember it well enough that, that's basically the plot of network is that a is guy, a guy goes with crazy on air but like he gets such good ratings they're like yes please do more of that so they keep doing more of that until eventually like they have him killed because he's like fucking shit up too much spoiler alert uh, it came out in like 77 or something <laughs> <laughs> I was planning on watching um, it tomorrow. So what's uh, so during Murray's uh, craziness at the end of the movie? What, what's it, what the fuck is up with feed me Seymour? <laughs> oh yeah, my god, I know. I think I've he always wanted, says that. I've Who always wondered that. Dude, like, he like leans in and he's like, "Feed me Seymour." That's yeah, not just I mean, like a saying that people say. Like, no, it's very specifically from Little Shop of Hearts, which <laughs> yeah, Bill Murray was in. Yes, yeah. but. 
Weird. When did when did uh, the Rick Moranis, Bill Murray, Steve Martin, Little Shop of Horrors come out? Those prior Let to me this, look. right? Like it had to be prior. To this. Yeah, it's I want to say like eighty six. 86, 86, 86, yeah. 86, so it'd been out okay. for two years. Okay. So I, I guess maybe that was just a callback to that. I I wonder a- if he was just on a roll improvising. Um, you know, I mean, he probably improv like a lot of shit. And that was one of the things that the editors just felt like that's cute. Let's I, I leave mean, it in. Probably, but why leave that in? Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't have. I'd be like, no, I wouldn't have either. It was really yeah. weird. Super it was definitely scary. like, huh? <laughs> and then, and then immediately after that is when he starts talking to the theater. Yeah, and they're all singing, "Put a little love in your butt," and he's like, "All right, all right, all right, just the men now, the real men," and literally the track. Changes, the track changes to all yes. male yep. vocals. Oh yeah, and mm-hmm. he's like, "All right, now the women," and then it changes. To, it's such a weird thing to have put in. And granted, it's over. I think it's over the credits at this point. Like, where, yeah, where, yeah, where, yeah, 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 the narrative yeah. structure of yeah. the movie, but it's still bizarre. Oh yeah, and it's just like a carryover of the fact that this movie is really freaking weird. It is. It's yeah. weirder. It is. Much, much. It wouldn't exist now. It wouldn't be made now. On the surface, I mean, it would be made. It would just be weird and different. It would be Doolittle. Like it would be like that. Like it would just be like I didn't actually see that. But I'm just saying, some generic like this really is a familiar. Example, Ryan. This is well, a familiar ahead. story. Yeah, but like you know, you know, you already know what that movie is without even watching it. It's just like so here's a generic telling of a story you're familiar with. They wouldn't do this like weird ass fucking cocaine fueled uh scrooge movie that i think so there was a lot of cocaine yes oh yeah involved. we were talking about how like how much cocaine bill murray's character would do were he real and also how much cocaine probably went into the making of this okay movie. so early in the movie when he's having a meeting with somebody i don't remember who it is he opens his drawer up and there's a big mirror in his drawer oh yes now i didn't notice that he says something into the mirror as though it's like his way of oh he talks himself. to himself he's like yeah but yeah, it's his self-esteem there's a big mirror, mirror in his drawer <laughs> yeah it's okay. very I don't think it was clear. It's 1988 you guys the only reason somebody's got a mirror in their drawer is yeah, it's not to to cheer yourself up or root no, yourself right? on. Yeah, no, yeah. it's not to do a Stuart Smalley moment. <laughs> no, this this movie is definitely um, there's a lot a of cocaine fueled fever dream. Exactly. Yes. 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 Would you be interested in any way in a remake of Scrooge? No. 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 But I I know that they that it's a thing that they've talked about it. Have they? Oh, have they? they? Yeah, I didn't. Oh, know I didn't. Yeah, I actually just I just googled something a couple of minutes ago, uh, and that was one of the things that came up that they are talking about. But they, I mean, guys, they're talking about remaking fucking everything. But um, I I, I think so. I mean, like Scrooge is a retelling of Dickens' Christmas Carol, right? Um, Kevin Hart. Yeah, which we've had. Which I like, like Kevin Hart, but we don't need it. Like, make just make something else. I, see, like, I would be, I would be into a more cohesive version. Where what's well, happening? Readers, Paramount is uh, full ahead on it with Kevin Hart. 
man, I'm not against that. I, I love I Kevin Hart. I like but... to see something where all the creators are on the same page, where they're, the, the vision is shared by everybody. I, I, I'm, I'd be interested because look, I mean, a Christmas Carol is a timeless thing. We've seen, you know, obviously a Muppet million Cri- versions of it. Muppet Christmas Carol is the, yeah. the greatest of them all. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Number one. But absolutely. There are a lot of really good ones out there. It's something that can be revisited over and over again. And I, I think that as enjoyable as Scrooge is, I think there is the potential to take, the ideas from this specific version uh, and and more fully realize them. Because I there's would, no denying that the conflict that happened behind the scenes is visible on the screen. I would absolutely watch it and probably enjoy it. But the thing I think that makes Scrooge so endearing to me is just how that shit bonkers it is um and most of that is bill murray that brings that that character um it that's what is it makes me love the movie like my favorite renditions of a christmas carol is muppet and scrooge those two um I don't think that you can touch either Christmas one Carol of them. Mickey's is great but if i'm thinking about if i'm thinking uh, about a christmas carol Turk ferguson <laughs> what if Funny name. Remake Scrooged. Directed by Taika Waititi. Oh, God. Yeah, no, I think I think that he'd be perfect for it. Uh, I was trying to get someone that would annoy Dave. You don't understand my feelings about Taika Waititi. You just don't want him to do serious, like I don't movies. hate him. I just don't want him in areas where his tone doesn't fit. But I think there's a lot of room for him in Star Wars. I think there's a lot of room for him in Marvel. If he wanted, if he were to do a Squirrel Girl movie, I think that would be awesome. Howard the Duck. Uh, Howard the Duck would be great for him. Uh, and yeah, I'd be very interested in seeing his take on A Christmas Carol. I think that guy is really talented and really fucking funny. I just don't like him dabbling in the the mcu main continuity eh, i don't know i you you enjoyed the the first two thor movies way more than i did yeah well, i don't I like any of the thor movies. more than you do <laughs> well <laughs> all right so we got to wrap this thing up uh we have pretty much run down scrooge from beginning to end uh before we wrap it up though do you guys have any other thoughts anything you wanted to throw out there before we we uh, do the old, what are you up to? Um, I'll say this. Uh, it's it's not perfect, but this is a movie that I loved so much as a kid that I convinced my dad to let me keep the VHS tape from the store because we couldn't find anywhere to buy. And he would just pay the fee because that's how much I wanted to own that movie. Uh, I love this movie. It's still top three uh, favorite Christmas movies for me. So, oh, wow. Uh, okay. Yeah, seriously. Like, it's top three for me. Um, watching it again just reaffirmed that. Like, I was like, this movie's great. I just I just love the look of it. I love Bill Murray in it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's great. It's unique, yeah, I, and there's nothing else it, like it. It's, yeah, it's and also, it's flawed, but I like it. It's also on my, like, short list of Christmas movies that I don't mind and will watch because I, <laughs> I am famously... A real life Scrooge and do not like the holiday of Christmas a whole lot. 
for a variety of reasons, but I can always watch this because it's Bill Murray's endlessly entertaining. So, Well, me, Nicole, and Dave are going to visit you safely. We'll wear a mask, but we're going to visit you in the night. And uh, we're going to have some words, show you about your past. We're going to tell you I'm the gonna, true meaning of Christmas. I will be the ghost of Christmas past Fine because shit. I've known Arian for 20 years now. I'll be the ghost of uh, future since I'm the youngest. Because you're a baby, and I am the ghost of Christmas present, and I will punch him in the face repeatedly. Wow. Oh, wow. This is, yeah, that's perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) I wish we were in costume right now. God, I wish I was Carol Kane. I wish every day I say that. Like David Johansson. (laughs) It's a dirty cab driver. That would be great. I, uh, I love this movie. Um, you know, I've seen it a million times and I sat down yesterday and watched it again just to refresh myself. And I opened up a thing on my phone to take notes. And I want to say that the only note that I took was father loves beaver. So <laughs> I just have a note it's, and it's some shit I'm going to forget about. And like a year from now, I'm going to be like, why the fuck do I just have a note in here that says father loves beaver? Um, but it, you know, I've seen the movie so many times that I really didn't like, even though I started to, I didn't need to take notes. It just sort of like, perfect. but it's fucking hysterical. Like the part when they're, when he's in the restaurant and the eyeballs in his drink and he screams like a woman and then he looks he over and he sees the, the guy on fire. And then the mater d's like, sir, no, that's a baked Alaska. You don't want that. No. What do you want for dinner? You don't want a baked Alaska. That's a dessert. No, it's fine. That's dessert. It's supposed to be like <laughs> that. That conversation cracked me up. And meanwhile, and like, that guy's in the background. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's cool except for that scene is genius. That's one of those it's scenes perfect. that like I could see like them coming up with the kind of like last minute, maybe even after the movie's done. And like somebody was like, this doesn't really make sense. And they're like, yeah, but it's so funny. It has to be in the movie. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, good. They no, made the no, right call. Sir, it's a, it's a baked Alaska. <laughs> that's not what you want. It's so, it's fucking genius. Yeah. And like, why does Carol Kane punch him in the face repeatedly? That's I don't know, awesome. but it's yeah. perfect. Well, just, and apparently I love it. she got really upset about that because he insisted that she really go to town on him. And she was not comfortable with the violence. So she was like <laughs> crying and stuff after they were filming. Oh my God. Oh, poor wow. Carol Kane. She's so sweet. She is incredibly sweet. Yes. One She's of the like best. One of my favorite actresses. I would watch her in anything. Arian, final thoughts? Turd Ferguson. Oh, uh, like I said, it's, it's one of the. The few Christmas movies that I can uh, still enjoy uh, up until the last part where he uh, sells out and turns good. <laughs> That's definitely I, the I think, uh, you know, I've, I've talked about some of the flaws that I perceive, but I will say I think it's a testament to its greatness that despite some of the flaws you can point out, it's still an awesome movie. It's still eminently enjoyable. And I, I watch it every year even mm-hmm. though I recognize there's some things that, that don't sit entirely well with me from a creative standpoint, it's so engaging. It's so unique. There's nothing else like Scrooged. Uh, and, and there's a lot to be said for that kind of uniqueness. Yeah, sure. absolutely. All right, you guys, it's that time. Arian, what are you up to? Where can we find you online? Uh, nothing and you can't. That's by design. Uh, 
I mean, if you really want to follow at such a lazy man on Instagram, uh, you can see pictures of my pets and occasionally food. And I mean, that's really the best thing about you. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. The dog is very, very cute. The cat is evil. Uh, it's funny. Good times. But also cute. Yes. Is she? She's a little fluff ball. She's cute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cadavers, uh, will you split into two and reference your own personal pursuits at this point? Um, yeah, uh, Cadaver Candle Company is like our biggest thing we got going on right now. And uh, if you want any last minute gifts, hit us up like ASAP. Yeah. Otherwise, you ain't getting them for Christmas. I think it's too late. Yeah. Uh, well, at this point, you'd have to be local and we'd have to figure out a way to get it to you. But, but yeah, but you want to smell good heading into the new year. Exactly. This not is true. We just don't, for Christmas. We're not going out of business after Christmas. This yeah, shit's yeah. going right. to continue. So, yeah. yes, and, and, please. Miss Mrs. Troublemaker has some kind of wacky room spray from you guys that she uh, loaded the house up with earlier, and I don't know what it was, but it was delightful. Awesome. We, uh, we do specialize in delightful scents. That's true. And wackiness. Yes. It's but, true. Yeah. They will last you throughout the year. Yes. I don't think I've ever plugged my Instagram on here. So Ryan Cadaver on Instagram. Uh, I'm gonna start using it more because like just uh, that's Facebook. not your no your no that's your, not no, your know, Instagram. But, yeah, it's Cadaver Ryan. But yeah. like if you search, I've tried. If you search Ryan Cadaver, it comes up. So that's why. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> anyways, so oh, like I said, search your own Instagram. I just did Daily. to make sure I could say that. <laughs> on air. But anyways. <laughs> So also, um, I uh, obviously don't know how to use Instagram, but I'm going to learn. So I'm working on it. I just, you know, I don't use it a lot, but I'm going to start because Facebook people, people like stories, but you have to put gifts on them. Yes. True. yes. Facebook is the devil and I don't like it anymore. It's, and, uh, it's a piece of shit. Facebook yeah. is goddamn yeah. dog turd. Um, mostly what I use it for is just for candle company shit. But honestly, I use it to poop on. Yes, I yeah. poop on it oh, first. Poop on. <laughs> but um, yeah, please follow Cadaver Candle Co. on Instagram. Um, if you're still on Facebook, Cadaver Candle Company, Cadaver Candle Co. on Facebook. Um, I kind of like put everything on Instagram and then like the rest of the shit goes on Facebook if I remember to put it on there. And if you give a shit about me and or my cat, you can find me at uh, Battle Cougar on Instagram. Um, Popular kitten. Yes, hashtag popular kitten. She's a, she's very cute. I like how Nicole has taken ownership of this cat. Like she wasn't our like, cat. Our cat. Say I'm sorry. Our cat. She was like it's my ours. cat. Our cat. No, oh, yeah, no. I mean, I'm not the one who got it a stroller and uh, and <laughs> that a, was and your a, mother in a, a bag. That was your mother. Uh, like a cat carrying bag that she will not sit in. Okay, I, I did get cat. the bag. You need one of those backpacks that looks like a rocket ship. It has like a yeah, little the window. bubble. Yeah. yeah. If anybody, if anybody's thinking about Christmas gifts for us, the the, the <laughs> cat the backpack rocket ship bubble thing. That's the you one. Buy that for us. Yes. Okay. <laughs> we'll send that out into the universe. You guys, thank you for sitting down and talking about Scrooge, a truly unique holiday experience. Uh, and we will be back next month. You know what January is, right? January. Swayze month. Swayze month. Fucking Swayze, baby. Woo! Fuck yes. Oh yeah. Finally someone to look forward be, to this year. Be excited. Well, it's next year. I yeah. am excited. So be good. For goodness sake. Whoa, somebody's coming. All right. 
guys, I hope you are having a happy holiday season. This year has been rough, but there is hope on the horizon. Things are looking like they're going to, you know, slowly get better over the course of probably the next year. Let's be honest. But we've hung in there this long. We can get through this and know that we made our way through adversity and came out on the other side. You know, maybe better people. Maybe. Some of us. Maybe most of us. Maybe some of us better than we were before in ways that we didn't expect. I don't know. I don't know what I'm rambling about. Uh, I've got a lot going on. I've got to edit this huge Snake Mountain video that was shot in five different pieces. Uh, I recorded separate audio for it that I realized I'm probably really not going to be able to use because the amount like to sync that audio up to the video isn't really going to work. So I'm going to have to work around some stuff. I don't know. This is going to be an exciting new project. So I hope that you check out the Needless Things YouTube channel uh, and and see this accomplishment, whatever it ends up being. Uh, also, please join the Needless Things podcast Facebook group where you will be able to contribute to episode 350. Uh, follow Needless Things Okay, Needless Things Podcast on Instagram. That's the important one. And then Needless Things underscore on Twitter is one you can pretty safely ignore. Uh, Phantom Troublemaker on Instagram. Phantom Troublemaker on Twitter. Also easily ignorable. And uh, just share this. Spread the word. Let people know there's fun stuff going on with Needless Things. I am still in the process of rebuilding this brand. Thank you. I love you guys. You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.